What up, guys? Your boy Quake, and I'm back with a brand new episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast. Vito is coming back next episode. So for those wondering where he's at, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, he has gone on vacation, enjoying some time by himself and his wife. So shout out to him. Uh, let's Before we get into everything, PlayStation 5 digital version is going up this upcoming weekend. The live stream, if you're supporting on Patreon, you can enter in to get that digital version. That's the version that didn't get claimed by the person that originally won. So go ahead, join on patreon.com forward slash diverse mentality, enter, and you could potentially win. I'll send a private link to everybody there in the DMs so that you can check it out, the live stream. And then if I pull your name, you win. You got the digital version of PlayStation 5. But you too also will have one week to claim it. So if you do not claim it within that week, I will then have to redo this again, which would be crazy if that happens again. So, uh, yeah, that's it for the PlayStation 5 digital version. Um, KK interview. I'm planning on it coming this upcoming Monday. That's the plan. Um, I was going to do it, obviously, this episode, but a lot of stuff happened in terms of news. And on top of that, I'm still not fully finished with everything. So I kind of want to plan everything out. And then hopefully on Monday, it drops. Three-hour-long interview, roughly three hours. Uh, great interview. Great conversation. I've been actually going over it right now multiple times and uh, crazy stuff and just crazy stories. Great interviews. So be on the lookout for that. Now let's get into the news. Trouble. So Trouble was the rapper that got killed last episode. I talked about him. He got killed at the age of 35. And initially, here's the thing. This is like when I record these podcasts, I only have the news at that moment at that time. And it's usually a day before the episode gets released officially. So I record the episodes on Wednesdays and Sundays, and then they get released on Mondays and Thursdays. So at the time, the news was that Trouble got killed inside of his car. He apparently fell asleep in his car, was just chilling in his car. What I assumed was that because he had an uh, Instagram uh, video that he had posted hours before he ended up dying. And what I assumed was that he got tipsy drunk and started and just passed out. In the car, fell asleep, and then unfortunately somebody came up, shot him, and killed him. That's not what happened. That was the initial reports. What happened was, this is crazy. This is all over a female. Now, have we heard stories of rappers getting killed over females? Yes. I mean, one of the biggest ones fairly recently is King Von. Whether people want to admit it or not, it all had to do with King Von messing with NBA Youngboy's ex-female. I did a whole documentary on it, NBA Youngboy versus Lil Durk, what really happened. Go into that, you'll see, for the most part, it was over a female. It usually ends up, for the you know, not all the time, but for the most of the time, it ends up becoming over a female. And uh, the crazy thing about this is Trouble actually was on his Instagram and posted on an actual, one of his actual posts instead of the story. He posted on his actual Instagram that... Uh, don't ever get caught up in female drama, blah, blah, blah. Stay on the right path. And then he ends up dying because of that, which is insane. So let's go over an article about what the police have revealed and who is the actual killer. Uh, Atlanta rapper Trouble, whose real name is Marielle Orr, uh, Marielle Orr, was shot and killed early Sunday morning, June 5th, and the details are slowly starting to emerge. According to CBS 46, Rockdale County Sheriff deputies responded to the Lake St. James apartment complex in the Conyers area after receiving reports of a shooting around 3.20 a.m. local time. Officers discovered the 35-year-old victim on the ground suffering from a gunshot wound. He was quickly transported to a nearby hospital where he was pronounced dead. Police have identified the 33-year-old uh, Jamichael Jones as the murder suspect and a warrant has been issued for his arrest. They believe Jones killed Trouble with the single shot to the chest when he found him at his at a girlfriend's apartment. What we know and what I can tell you is that Mr. Mariel Orr, who is the victim, was visiting a female friend at the complex, and Mr. Jamichael Jones did know the female, and it was a domestic situation. Rockdale County Police Public Information Officer Jadia Canty said. I know there are a lot of people that are really upset right now about the situation. Trouble's ex-girlfriend, Alexis Sky confirmed the death shortly after the news broke, which I reported to you guys. Um, so basically, if you look at the Instagram, I don't know if this was the same girl in the Instagram video because her face wasn't showing. But if you look at the Instagram video that Trouble posted 
hours before he passed away. He's taking a shot with this female, and then after he takes a shot, he like points at her. And people assume that was the girl that he would, after he got drunk, they got tipsy, they went to her apartment, you know, did what they did. The ex-boyfriend, boyfriend, I don't even know if they're in a relationship still, seems like they were. He showed up at the apartment, probably had keys to the apartment, opened it, saw him there, scuffle, you know, fight breaks out, whatever, shoots him in the chest. Unfortunately, trouble passed away at the actual apartment before he even released, uh, reached the hospital. So let's go over the more details of what they released. Uh, reporter Tori Cooper has obtained the arrest warrant for 33-year-old Jamichael uh, Jones. The, the man police say shot and killed Atlanta rapper Trouble on Sunday, June 5th. According to the paperwork, Trouble was asleep next to Jones's ex-girlfriend when Jones broke into her apartment. Jones reportedly woke the woman up by punching her in the face. She's a struggle between Jones and the Def Jam recording artist ensued. During the altercation, Jones allegedly pulled out a gun, shot Trouble once in the chest, and fled the scene. Deputies discovered him laying on the floor when they arrived at the apartment and rushed into a local hospital where he died. Uh, the woman and Jones had been in a relationship for roughly three years years but she recently broke it off due to him being jobless and failing to pay his bills after she broke up with him jones allegedly punched her in the face and fled though she called police she never finalized the report this guy really likes to punch women in the face man this is the second time she did that to him she's domestic jobless bum over here uh jones turned himself in on tuesday morning and the judge set a preliminary court hearing for june 15th He's facing multiple charges, including felony murder, aggravated assault, battery, and home invasion. Uh, County Sheriff Eric Vett says Jones doesn't appear remorseful, but rather fearful. So, this is what I'm like, ah, man, how do I? This is what I mean is the, man, don't get caught up, man. Even Trouble said this before he passed away, but he ended up doing what he said you shouldn't do. Don't get caught up especially men, because here's the thing, man. A lot of females, majority, not all of them, they're very messy sometimes. They can be, uh, they can put a lot of information out there, cause problems that really aren't there at all. You know, because a lot of females are, you know, for the most part, not all of them, for the most part, females like to talk a lot. So that that mouth can get you into trouble. And then when you're sleeping with a female that just recently broke up with somebody, who knows how that guy's feeling too? That guy, that guy's a piece of shit. A lot of men are like this too. A lot of men still are attached to their exes and get jealous and get mad and then resort to violence. A lot of men are like that too. So there's two sides. There's men that have those type of issues of just moving on and letting go, not trying to be controlling, uh, be controlling and be aggressive and abusive. There's a lot of men like that. And there's a lot of females that just run their mouth and escalate situations and make them worse than what they're supposed to be. And there's a lot of females who just don't give a shit. A lot of men who don't give a shit, they'll sleep with whoever and then get caught up in situations. Me personally, I've never been the type, especially if somebody just got out of a relationship, I do not, I'm not the rebound. I'm not the one that's going to talk to you. If you just got out of a relationship roughly a month, two months, I'm not talking to you at all because... Who knows if that guy's a psychopath and still attached to you. I don't want to get caught up in any bullshit. That's not my place. So usually if I talk to a female and she's like, oh, I just got out of a relationship. I'm like, nope, bye, see you. I don't give a fuck how attractive she is. I don't even want to sleep with nothing, nothing, nothing. I want nothing to do with her because of these type of situations. You never know what you're, who you're dealing with when it comes to females too. When you go and sleep with them randomly, there could be a guy out there that's, that she just broke up with. The guy's jealous. And then this happens, breaks to the house. A lot of these situations, I've seen a lot of these situations happen. Some lead to death, some lead to domestic violence, some lead to just arguments. But for the most part, you know, focus on yourself. Don't just go out there and party with random women and then sleep with them because it just leads to horrible things. And for the most part, you're going to get caught up in a situation. You know, a lot of people get lucky sometimes and they never get caught up in anything, but for the most part, you can get caught up in a lot of bullshit dealing with people, man. That's why I always say I'm always to myself. I don't deal with a lot of people because you don't know whose toes you're stepping on accidentally. You won't even know that this girl just recently broke up with somebody. Like she, Some females won't even tell you. And then you're going over to sleep with her, sleeping in her bed. Like That's another thing, too. I never, never 
after a one night stand, don't sleep in the in the girl's bed, man. That's one of the worst situations you can put yourself in. Like, just leave. Even if it's three thirty at night, it's late. You're tired. You're lazy to go. Unless you're really, really tipsy, drunk, which I said in the last podcast. I don't get. I don't even drink alcohol like that. So me, I would never be in a situation where I'm really tipsy and drunk and then want to sleep beside a random female I just met that night. I can't do it. I have way, way. I'm way too paranoid about shit to do that and potentially risk my life. Something like this happening. It's a very fucked up situation, man. Uh, the girl that the girl I was with trouble that night and then had the ex, she's apparently an upcoming rapper. Uh, she deleted most of her information because people are harassing her and saying she's the reason why this happened, which you can't do that. You can't blame her. Um, you know, just these type of situations depends on the ex. Really a lot of men, unfortunately, they can't let go of their exes, man. They get aggressive, they get psycho. And then this type of shit that happens, you know, uh, you don't know who you're dealing with. with a lot of people last, uh, with past relationships from people. So, um, yeah, man, very sad situation. This is true. This is a situation that could have been avoided easily, man, easily. So rest in peace of trouble. Uh, we'll probably hear more once the court hearing happens and all that stuff. Masterpiece. So I reported a couple uh, podcast episodes ago, uh, Masterpiece's daughter passing away. And it was related to uh, a drug slash uh, mental health situation. Uh, she passed away at 29 years old. Uh, but, you know, the toxology, the toxology reports aren't finished, so people don't know 100% why she passed away. But Master P posted a video of what seems to be, I believe, her funeral. Let me see. Or he's on stage. Yeah, he's on stage performing, and then he has like a photo of her, you know, in the back in the background saying, we love you. And then in the caption, he said this. I've always been my daughter's parachute. Now she's my parachute in the sky. No more grieving. It's time to celebrate her and help millions of people dealing with mental illness and substance abuse. We all we got. God is good. So, uh, this is the, one of the best ways to handle a situation like this. You know, it's easier said than done, obviously, but most people, I think, I think uh, most people should view death as a transition, as the person's soul completing their journey of what they had to do here. The crazy thing about life that we don't think about is if we were, life is so like, I don't think people understand how fragile it is that if we were just to remove one person from this planet and prematurely, the whole world would shift right now, it would change because every person in life has a role and plays a part, whether negative or positive. Now, when it comes to her and Master P, she played her role of potentially helping Master P realize, you know, substance abuse and mental illness. And Master P is in a position where he can help millions upon millions of people. And that's how he's taken the situation, which is beautiful. Master P manages to do this and starts helping, even if he helps just one person. Her, her journey was something that led to something even bigger and greater, which is beautiful. So, you know, I'm glad that Master P is viewing it this way and not viewing it in a negative perspective. Most people, like when death happens, and I understand because death is tough, but you should view it as a person completing their journey and potentially leaving something behind. Uh, that's what Nipsey Hussle's uh, mother at uh, even Kendrick Lamar's The Heart Part 5, the verse where, you know, he talks about Kendrick. He's like, he shouldn't be sad. I completed my journey. This is what I had to do. So, you know, death really shouldn't be looked at. It's a person just transitioning on, you know, and whatever you believe in. But, you know, you're just not here in the physical form. I'm sure your 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 spirit is somewhere else. And I don't know. I'm not going to get too far into that because I believe what I believe and other people believe what they believe. And that's totally okay. You know, um, whatever you believe happens to you after death, um, you know, that's that's your take on it. And uh, there should be nobody judging that, by the way. I hate when people, you know, judge people about what their take on death is and where to... No, nah, man, everybody has their own perspective. I've heard a lot of dope takes on it, too. So uh, it just opens your mind. I'm open to anything that is not the norm, you know. So I like to hear different perspectives and what people think. But this is what I mean. Her, her, her life 
going it was it was tough for Massapee, tough with her, tough for her as well. But going through all that, maybe it's going to make Massapee realize that there's a lot of people struggling like this. Let me do something to help, and that's what he's exactly saying in his caption. And hopefully, he does that, and then that 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 cements her legacy even more. That makes her way way bigger than what what she was on Earth. And sometimes that happens. Somebody passed away, they become bigger and bigger, and their influence grows. That's what's happened with Nipsey. That's what's happened with a lot of people that passed away. Um, so shout out to Masterpiece, man. I hope he does that. I hope he executes what he wants to execute. That is dope. And I'm supporting Masterpiece 100%. If there's a donation thing I can do, I can give and help, I definitely want to help. So shout out to Masterpiece. Speaking of passing away and dealing with people passing away, Lil Bibby. Uh, if you guys don't know, Lil Bibby is the one that signed Juice World. Lil Bibby used to be a rapper. Now he has, owns his label. He's got uh, Kid Leroy on his label. Juice World. He's got a couple artists that I can't think of off the top of my head, but he's doing great um, in terms of signing artists. Unfortunately, you know, Juice World, the biggest one, passed away, but, you know, that happens sometimes in record labels. Um, so let's go over this article. This was interesting in what he said because we don't think about this perspective. We don't think about this this point of view, which was dope. Uh, managing a late artist estate is a delicate situation. Criticism can come from both sides, whether it's being accused of exploiting an artist's death by releasing too much music or starving their fans by keeping it hidden away in the vaults. Lil Bibby is struggling with balancing with that balancing act when it comes to Juice World's music. The grade A production head took to Twitter on Wednesday morning, June 8th, to detail the challenges of keeping the late Chicago rappers fans happy. So this is what a fan tweeted at Lil Bibby. He said, He was the GOAT Bibby. You were fortunate enough to be given the power to continue his legacy, and we hope you do it by giving us new music soon because we're starving. Lil Baby quotes that and says, People say we don't put out enough music, but then say, but then they say we do it for the money. What have I said, guys? What have I said over and over on here? Uh, you'll never please everybody. You know, let's just say you find the cure for cancer. I always use, I always use this example because it's one of the best examples. Uh, what it, let's just say I find the cure for cancer. I give it away for free. There's going to be people thanking me. And then there's going to be people saying, you're stupid. You could have became a multi-billionaire. Why'd you give it away for free? Then the opposite. If I charge people, people are going to be like, oh, you're greedy. All you want is money. You should have gave it for free. So many people are struggling. So you're never going to please everybody with anything. It's never going to happen. Even on this podcast, I'll say something. People will like it. People will dislike it. That's just how it goes. That's the way of life. And there's nothing wrong with that. As long as people don't become disrespectful and you know, send out threats and all that stuff that gets, that's too far, but you know, nobody's going to disagree. I don't, I have no problem with disagreeing with things and, you know, having just a great conversation about it. You know, um, I've never been the type to be aggressive and be like, fuck you, your opinion, this, you stink. You don't know what you're talking about. Now I, now we'll talk about hip hop lists down the line because you guys already know what I'm going to get into. And, uh, it's been trending for a while. We'll talk about that down the line, but for the most part, you know, your opinion, my opinion, if it differs, I have no problem with that. You know, we're all, you have to really think about it. There's roughly seven to eight billion people on this planet, right? Everyone has lived a different life. Every single soul on this planet has experienced things differently from their lens, different life. So if they have different opinions, that's normal. You know, obviously you're going to agree with certain things, but for the most part, you should expect people to have different opinions. There's nothing wrong with that. So he's right. Lil Bibby is right. If you don't put out enough music, you're being greedy. You're not helping the fans. You're not giving them to the fans. If you put out too much music, hey, you guys, are all you guys are doing is milking it, getting money from it. Now, here's the difference. The pop smoke example is milking versus being greedy. So you got the first album, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon. That was completed 70 to 80% by pop smoke. And then the rest got finished out by 50 Cent, executive producing, Steven Victor as well. Shout out to them too. Cool, right? That album was clearly a great album and should have been released, and it was. Then you got the second Pop Smoke album, which was horrendous, and it seemed like just a money grab. That's the thing is, can you, with the music that this person has since they passed away, can you make a good to great album? If you can't make it at least a good album, which is five, six, maybe seven out of ten, a great album is eight, nine, and then a classic is 10 out of 10. If you can at least make it a good album, you can say five, six, maybe seven out of 10, then release it still. I think that's fair. 
But if it's garbage and you're just putting little pieces together and trying to, that's what the second Pop Smoke album seemed like. It wasn't executed right. It seemed like just a money grab. That's the difference to me between a money grab and and uh, people actually trying to feed the fans with music and give away good music and, you know, keep the legacy going on. That's the difference. Uh, Lil Baby continues in response to another fan who says, the issue isn't the frequency of music, Bibby. Don't listen to these idiots. Two albums in two years is enough. The thing is, though, we want to see we want to see Juice's projects released sometime. Outsiders, Young Thug collab tape, etc., or at least some hype music from 2019. Not the same sad songs. So this guy's complaining about uh, there's supposed to be collab projects that were supposed to come out. There's supposed to be this and that. They never got released. They got hyped leaked blah 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 we never got projects like that that is another thing that you can't control when a dead artist you know when an artist dies if they had a collab project how many tracks did juice world the young thug really record together you know that we know about officially so this is what little bit responds to that he says i will try my best but i am human and i have feelings this is not an easy job people making crazy allegations and saying hurtful things I want to put out music because I know that's what Juice wanted and I know the fans want it, but I sometimes want to quit. That's respectful, man. That is that is commendable because, like I said, the fans, you'll get lawsuits, you'll get people saying you're just trying to milk. It doesn't matter what you do, whether you give out music or don't, people are still going to come at you in one way or another. I know Juice World. at least there's an interview when I was doing the Juice World documentary uh, there was an interview where he said, I record a lot of music and he had a lot of music recorded and he said, I wish I could just release all of it. So he is a person that, and Bibby would know best, better than anybody because he was with him for the most part, most of the time. And, you know, I'm sure Juice World will want that, but they're just trying to execute it the right way. Now, if you compare Juice World, Pop Smoke versus Nipsey Hussle, you know, they're taking a little too long with Nipsey Hussle. I think they're waiting until this murder trial finally gets settled. And then I think they'll start to approach with a new album, hopefully. But they're taking forever. Like, they're starving the fans with new music. But it seems like most Nipsey Hussle fans aren't complaining. I mean, I'm kind of complaining. I, You know, you'll hear it here and there. But I get it. Nipsey was very calculated. You know, he had he had plans. He had albums planned out way ahead. So that's a little more sensitive. And Nipsey's now viewed as, like, an icon in, in, in certain respects. So, you know... Uh, it's a tricky situation, man. It's a very tricky situation. But like I said, the Pop Smoke example is a perfect one. The first album, you could tell it was done the right way. It was given to the fans the right way, executed the right way. The second album just seemed like a money grab. Not much music there. That was really, I can't remember much tracks off there. I can remember Tunnel Vision because that's one of the tracks that I bump off there. There's a few other tracks, but other than that, it was a horrible, horrible album. Uh, it's not even on the charts anymore. That's why the first one's still streaming and people are still listening to it because... You know, that's the way better album. So, you know, here's the thing. If you're a fan of an artist that passed away, don't critique, you know, the people releasing it because it is a tough job. Look at little Bibby. He's explaining, you know, I want to quit this because, you know, it's too much pressure. And it is. You have to carry on the legacy of somebody that's a huge artist, you know, somebody who's, who's, who's done a lot, who has music that you have to question whether do they want to release this way. Do you, have, you know, you have to really think about these things and how much it impacts his legacy, or the artist's legacy, period. So that was an interesting uh, point of view that people don't really get to see. I'm glad Lil Bibby spoke on that. 21 Savage. So 21 Savage stopped by this podcast, did an interview. And what he said on this was interesting. Uh, he said, 21 Savage said that uh, there's a catch-22 that can lead rappers to getting Rico charges. What does he mean by this? Let's go over the article. I had to get a little drink of my sparkling water. Okay, so he said it's a catch-22. It's like I can make it and forget about my hood, and then my hood going to try, going to be trying to kill me. Or I can look out for my hood, and I can catch a Rico. 21 continue. He said, if you get on and turn your back on your hood, you're basically a fuck boy. They're going to take your jewelry. They're going to show the world. He ain't even like that. He's a bitch. If you take care of your hood... You're a fucking leader. If you want to be a guy hanging on the block, just know that you can get killed hanging on the block. Rapper or not, that's how it go. He said, it depends on the relationship you got with the hood. If those really are brothers, when your life changed, their lives are supposed to change. 
it's not going to work for everybody. Some guy's going to die. Some guy's going to go to jail. Some guy's going to be successful. Though, you just got to provide avenues for that shit. That's the goal, to pull people out of the hood. Now, um, I get where, where 21 Savage is coming from this by saying if you, if you, if you, if you're too connected to the streets, the legal money that you make can be looked at as you're supporting illegal activities potentially. You know, that's what happened with Murder Inc. and Supreme. Irv Gotti, Ja Rule brought Supreme on with them. Supreme, though, had this huge, you know, history of selling drugs, narcotics. So to the, the FBI, they viewed it as maybe Supreme is funneling his drug money through Ja Rule and Irv Gotti and all that. When that wasn't the case, that was proven that wasn't the case. $10 million case shut down. They proved it that that wasn't it. So what happened with Young Thug and Gunna, that's essentially the same thing. It's a Rico getting put on for them being too close to certain street people. This is why, you know, 50 severed ties from the streets, completely distanced himself, but he still looked out for his neighborhood. He had moments where he was giving back the G-Unity Foundation, but he did it from a distance. Nipsey, I'm sure, Nipsey actually, the actually right after he passed away, roughly three to four weeks later, there were reports that the LAPD were looking into Nipsey Hussle as a gang member, as a rolling 60s gang member, all that stuff. They were looking into it, seeing, hey, is this guy doing illegal things with the money that he's making, or is he getting uh, help from illegal activities? So, which is unfortunate because this guy, this guy was just helping people, giving jobs, bought out that whole uh, section, and he employed so many people like legally and gave them legit jobs to do at his shop, at his store, the whole block, whatever they had uh, to do. Whether sweeping up the one guy, one of the homeless guys there at the time, he was homeless. Nipsey gave him a job just to sweep the the street of that area, and you get paid, had a legit job, looked out. But the police look at it as, hey, you were you used to do illegal things. Now that you made it. Um, you should have no ties to that. You shouldn't be communicating with those people. But then if you, like 21 Savage said, if you leave them, you don't have no communication with anybody from there. It's looked at as, hey, oh, you've gone Hollywood. You're not helping anybody, this and that. So it is a catch-22, but I think you can you can still do it to still get respect, um, you know, in a way where it's like, keep your distance. That's it. And, and honestly, check people, man. Check people. If you feel like, hey, you know, I want to help this person, but he's still stuck in street stuff. I need to check him and tell him not to do that. Then, you know, tell him, hey, uh, don't do this. And I, you know, I'll help you. I'll continue to support you in any way that I can. But if you keep doing this illegal street shit, then I can't. I can't support you because it's going to get tied into me. And then I'm going to have problems. And I can't do that. I, I built way too much. I built a whole empire. And I don't want you destroying it because you want to do some stupid street shit. You know, now that I'm trying to help you legally. So it is a catch-22 but I think there's ways to do it without without getting too tied into the streets. Um, you know, the police, unfortunately, even if you change your life, they'll view it for the most part as this guy is still a street street guy who, um, you know, potentially could be still doing street stuff regardless of him succeeding in music. Unfortunately, that's how it's viewed for most rappers in hip-hop, mainly predominantly black, obviously. So, yeah, um, great, ray, great way of viewing it because... You know, some of this is true, though. Some of it, they're actually feeding the street stuff. I mean, there are some rappers that got caught up that are actually using the legal money that they're getting to fund certain things, whether it's drugs, whether it's street gangs. That's happened. So I, I can see the perspective of people assuming that um, in terms of the police because it's happened sometimes, but sometimes it's not the case. You know, like Nipsey, that, that's the one they got 100% wrong. There still is no connection at all to Nipsey helping anything relating to street shit. He's passed away, what, three, four, three years now? A little over three years? There's been no connection at all. Nothing came out. But the LAPD were investigating, looking into him, thinking, hey, this guy's this guy's doing too much for his community. This is getting really weird here, guys. Let's look into this guy. He's helping too much to the community. So, um, yeah, man, uh, great way of, of saying it, 21 Savage. Shout out to him. Eminem, this was dope. This is really, really dope. And I wanna, I wanna actually share this. So, this is something that I would have done down the line. That's what my plan was doing. Uh, there's an official DOC documentary coming out. 
If you don't know who DOC is, he is an artist in the early 90s. He did a lot of writing for uh, NWA, Dr. Dre, and arguably one of the biggest, could have been one of the biggest rappers to ever live because he was that fucking talented. Uh, he released his solo album back in, let me see, his first solo album. No one could do it better in 1989. And this, like the reviews on this album was fucking basically for perfection and people were were loving him, man. Uh, great. He's, re- he's written so many hits for so many artists, especially in the aftermath, Shady, all that, in that camp. And unfortunately, though, DOC ended up losing his voice after getting in a car accident. This was in November 1989. Uh, Basically, he was driving home from a party. He fell asleep at the wheel. And what's the the crazy thing about this story was that a police officer pulled him over before this incident and was going to arrest him, but then noticed he was DOC, and he said, I'm a fan of you, and let him go. So that night, if that police officer would have just arrested him, taken him into custody, he probably would have never gotten into the accident and never lost his voice. Because what ended up happening, he got into the accident, lost his voice. Uh, he had to do, his injuries required 21 hours of plastic surgery, and he spent two and a half weeks in the hospital. He could not speak for about a month, and he was left with a different raspier voice. So ever since that change of voice, obviously couldn't rap anymore. Um and basically, it was it's to me, it's the biggest, from DOC to the Big L, those two are the biggest what-ifs in hip-hop possibly ever that I can think of right now. Big L and DOC. Those are probably the two biggest what-ifs in hip-hop. There's a lot of what-ifs, and I wanted to do a series called What If, and I'm thinking I'm still going to do it. But those are two of the biggest what-ifs, I think, in hip-hop. Speaking on this, and why I'm talking about this, is... The DOC is actually getting a documentary released on him. And the documentary is simply called The DOC, The Doc, which goes, uh, it's a deep dive into a journey of West Coast hip hop legend. And Eminem is actually in the documentary. I'm sure other people, it's, it's right now, it's streaming in theaters and select theaters, especially in Los Angeles. And let's go over the Eminem clip because it's dope as hell. I'm going to play it for you guys. Let me know what you guys I was doing things that nobody else had done yet, like just lyrically, like mind blowing. On mind blowing, he was like, The doc is dope. I would have been out with rock, but I'll be broke by the punk. I'm opening up my trunk to reveal death. Living it up. My life is like a story. Yelling it because nobody else is telling it. Checking it. Always getting paid because the rap is sort of a twist. Between what I mean, uh, between what you need and what I mean, what I mean by twist. Nah, you gotta better listen. Wait, I, I need him. The doc. <clears throat> I gotta ask him what he said on this part. On this one part, I never understood it. Like, I couldn't make out exactly what it was. The doc is dope. I would have been out with rock, but I'll be broke by the punk. I'm opening up my trunk to reveal death. Living it up, my life is like a story. Yelling it, because nobody else is telling it. Checking it, always getting paid, because the rap is sort of a twist. Between what you needed and what I mean, what I mean by twist, nah, you gotta listen. What the fuck, what was that right there? Never a segment is negative, because I'm employing what you've been missing. Never, Never said when it's negative. How the fuck did you say that shit? God damn. She just came out. <laughs> it's dope, man, seeing uh, rappers be fans of other rappers, man. I think we should see more of that. So Eminem, I don't know how he remembers. Like Eminem's memory on remembering bars. Obviously, it's his job. He raps 24-7. It's his job. He's been doing it his whole life. So it's a little easier for him. But me, remembering bars sometimes is hard. Depends on the certain song and stuff. But Eminem was remembering basically the whole thing. Um, but yeah, the DOC, like I said, man, he, to me, could have been one of the biggest possibly ever, but he's still, you know, he's still fulfilled his, his journey, man, because he, he's, or still fulfilling his journey. I'm, I'm talking like he passed away. He hasn't passed away, but he's still fulfilling his journey. He's doing a lot of great ghostwriting for artists and helping them out, which is dope, man. If you can't do it yourself anymore because of the voice, voice thing, why not lend your pen to other, uh, artists that need it? So, yeah, I don't know when the documentary is officially getting released to, like, streaming platforms. Let me see. Uh, the DLC will be in New York City this month to premiere uh, the doc film. The screening takes place at Tribeca Film Festival beginning on June 10th. Until then, watch the clip. 
So, yeah, June 10th, it's screening, and then we'll, we'll I don't know when it's coming out officially. You just call it the doc, so you can go ahead and Google it, and maybe there's information on that. Let me see if the if there is any, because on there it doesn't say anything. Let me see. No, it just says June 10th, June 11th as the premiere. So, yeah, that's it. And then there's also Little Baby's documentary, Untrapped, the story of Little Baby. So, that's cool. But, yeah, uh, I don't know. If you guys know any 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 what-ifs that are bigger than the doc and Big L, you know, let me know. Because, to me, those two are the biggest ones. Shout-out to Eminem for being a cool fan. So, uh, let's talk about the game again, man. Uh, the game is back here. The game is back. And I actually enjoyed this uh, Complex interview. You stopped by the Complex uh, music and talked to Speedy Mormon. And it was a really great interview. Speedy asked a lot of, like, internet questions. You know, people that always accuse the game of lying. And, like, the Kobe story where he said, yo, Kobe dropped 81 points after listening to my album. People were like, no, you're lying. And then Kobe said, no, that was a true story. And then people were like, no, that's, that's Photoshop. Kobe didn't say that. So, like, everybody... For the most part, I think the, you know, most people think game is lying about a lot of things. I get the flack from it because he does, it may seem like he exaggerates the stories, but probably like 70% of the time he's telling the truth. I think, uh, where this started was, I think the game and Tupac photo, like game posted a photo with him and Tupac. And he said, uh, he said something along the lines of like, oh, I was friends with him or some shit. And it was a Photoshop photo, something like that. Let me see. Let me see what he posted in the caption. I remember him posting the photo. He said, uh, yeah, this, 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 this is the one that first got him. Like a lot of people were like, what the fuck? Why are you posting this? Uh, I'm trying to find what the caption, because <laughs> the caption was something like, me and Tupac or something like that or something was crazy. Yeah, he said, RIP to one of the realest guys to ever do it. Ain't no me without you in the game. The effect you had on the world will forever be appreciated. Your music, your words, your love, your encouragement, your uh, existence in a world full of misguided youth will never be forgotten. I am a better person, poet, friend and father because of your lessons learned through your music your mind was one of pure genius so he didn't say that's him in the photo i mean he didn't say that that's him and tupac but in the photo it's a photoshop uh head of game when he was younger on some random person's body with tupac and i think this is where like issues were like people are like why is he posting shit that's not true or him he never took a photo with tupac stuff like that that's where this is started and then people are just saying hey you know he's lying about this and that and um, yeah, so basically Speedy Mormon on Complex was was asking those questions that a lot of people were um questioning game about, which is a dope interview. And at the end, this was this was sick. This is this is something that I wish would have happened. Uh game revealed that that Drillmatic album title, he initially gave that album title to the little Dirk because he felt like it fit Lil Dirk more. And because of the way Lil Dirk, and this is what I've been saying a long time ago. I feel like Lil Durk as a street rapper is really dope at telling stories about the streets because he's actually been through it. He's living through it. He's actually living through it currently, which is crazy. Um, so I can understand that Drillmatic title going to Lil Durk because Lil Durk is also a fan of Nas too. Drillmatic, Illmatic, you know, Chicago drill music. That's where it comes from. So that would have been a dope album title. But Game said when he sent him that album title, Lil Durk was like, that's fire. But then he never ended up taking it. He just said that's a dope-ass album title. And the game was like he was taking forever, never ended up releasing the album with the title. So he's like, all right, I'm taking it back. So now game has the title. But that would have been a dope album title for Lil Durk. And, you know, I think more people should should realize that Lil Durk is a dope rapper. Now, this is where, again, once again, the controversy of these game interviews comes out. Basically, he said he's not only the best rapper in the world, but he is the biggest rapper in the world. Yes, the biggest rapper in the world. So... Let me play the clip. 
Love it. I love it, man. But I mean, that guy has a YouTube channel. He wants views. He wants clicks. Why not use me? I'm the biggest rapper in the world. Are you the biggest rapper? I am. Literally. Literally. In in which like? All of them. The game. Are you the biggest rapper? How how is the game the biggest rapper in the world? Uh, number one, I'm I'm like. I'm just lyrically. Better than everybody else. And 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 again, this is how I feel about myself. Yourself. Anybody watching this could say, oh, no, this person's better. This person's better. You, for one, thinks Fabulous is better than me. I didn't say that. I you just said, said Fabulous is my rapper. favorite. If I'm not your favorite, that means he's better than me. That's not true. Because so you, my favorite is not who I think is the best rapper of all time. Right. I just like the way he raps. I'm from oh, New so York. Oh, so I asked you who your favorite rapper You was. said who's your favorite rapper. All right, so who's, my the favorite. Best, who's, the, who's your best rapper I think the time. best rapper is Hov. I think you got to give it to Jay. For, That's just for everything... Everything, right? Yeah, the way he's taken hip-hop and built this entire right, right. empire, his cadences, his bars, he's got classic albums. So I, I would just say if, Jay. If we're, if we're judging on everything, then I would agree with you. Sure, and sure, I sure. would say Hove too. But as far as like, like the best rapper in the world, like I'm the best rapper in the world because nobody can out-rap me. And if they can, let's see. When you say out-rap you, <clears throat> what does that mean? So, you know, here's how I view these things, right? You got, you got your best rapper in the world. That's an opinion, the best rapper in the world. I can say, to me, the best rapper in the world is 50 Cent. Lots of people are like, hail to the no. 50 can't do this, 50 can't do that. To me, he's not only my favorite rapper, but to me, he's the best rapper. That's an opinion. The biggest rapper in the world, that's not an opinion. That you can look up with album sales. That's to me the biggest. That 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 that's to me where you can because the biggest means the most known around the globe, not just in America, the whole world. And we know who's the biggest. And I know why Game said the biggest because he wants to get Eminem's attention. That's really what it is. Uh, it's a little like subliminal Eminem because when people think about the biggest rapper in the world, for the most part, they think about Eminem. Um. And I'm not just talking in America because here's the thing. A lot of people in America, they don't think about the world when they're thinking about the biggest rapper in the world. They're thinking about just America. Think about the world. How many more people know Eminem than other rappers? Like, the gap is insane. You want to know why 50 became so big worldwide? Is because of Eminem too. Eminem co-signing him, having that huge worldwide audience. I mean, he sold 27 million copies worldwide of the Eminem show 27 million copies that's that's uh, that's like 99% of rappers careers he didn't want album um and that's what we tend to forget about biggest biggest rapper in the world when we say world a lot of Americans think just America we're talking about the globe here you know if you've never traveled outside of America and listened to music and listened to what those people know about hip-hop then you can't speak on it you know, there's a lot of people. I've been outside of the world. When I went to Germany that time, I asked my cousins, I asked people around there, what do who rappers, what rappers do you know? What rappers do you listen to? What comes out of their mouth most of the time? Eminem, 50 Cent. You know, you got a couple here and there. You got, when, when I mentioned Jay-Z at the time, this is 2015. When I mentioned Jay-Z at the time, one of my cousins was like, oh, that's the guy, uh, uh, he said, Empire State of Mind. That's the only record, the New York record. That's all he knew about Jay-Z. And he knew that he was Beyonce's husband. That's it. Those are the only two things. So with Speedy Mormon mentioning Jay-Z as the biggest in the world, um, or I think he mentioned Jay-Z as the best rapper in the world. That's also an opinion, like I said. Um, you know, the best rapper, subjective. You might think this rapper is better than this rapper, and that's fine. Everybody has their own opinions. You know, um, I think 50 to me, because obviously Give It Your Die Trying, you know, that to me is the greatest album of all time. I just love that album. And that's just my opinion on it, you know. Uh, a lot of people think Eminem. A lot of people think Jay-Z. But we need to, if we're looking at biggest rapper in the world, the game is nowhere near that. That that you can look at with statistics. That can be debunked easily. That's not that's not a debatable thing about the biggest rapper in the world. That's not debatable. You can just look at album sales. That determines who's the biggest. That's period. There's no, there's no if, ands, or buts or any way around that. As far as the best, that's opinion. I don't really, when I consider the best rapper in the world, I don't really consider album sales as like a debate for the best rapper in the world. I consider um, 
just albums overall, projects of albums, consistency, lyrics, delivery, energy, momentum. Um, you know, what do you have surrounding you at that moment? That's why I always say one of my things that I always point to is that T.I. had the best three album run ever because if you look at those years, he was going through so much shit. You know, yet King, the album King in 2006, T.I. versus T.I.P. in 2007, Paper Trail in 2008. 2006, King drops. He has a movie, ATL, comes out. What you know about that? Huge. Number one record. Boom. Big. Before 2007, before actually after the King album comes out, his best friend gets killed in a vehicle that he was in that got shot up insane amount of times. He has to deal with that grievance of losing his best friend while being paranoid about getting shot at. So then he buys all these guns. BT Awards. He goes to perform. Police catch him before he gets to perform. Drops, he already dropped T.I. TI versus T.I.P. at the time, but dropped that album or he dropped the first single and then he was about to drop the album. Has to face all these legal issues. Drops T.I. versus T.I.P. Crazy successful album, even more successful than the previous one. Mind you, he's doing this back to back to back. 2006, 2007, 2008. There was not a year that was skipped. That's what I mean. It's consistency, greatness, all that stuff that all plays a role. And then you got Paper Trail, which obviously did what it did. It skyrocketed him and he became one of the biggest rappers at the time. So there's a lot of factors about who's the best rapper, but that's, like I said, it's opinion. There's so many people in this world that lived a different, everybody in this world lived, everybody in this world has lived a different life through their own lens. So what they view as the best is just their opinion. Now, the biggest game needs to stop capping. Uh, he is not the biggest. That can be proven with numbers, you know, um, but I, overall, I enjoyed this interview. Game was really dope. He looks like an NPC character here. He does, <laughs> he's got his like dreads that came out, whatever. Um, and he's got like these gl little glasses and he, he's dressed a certain way. It just looks, to, I didn't even, I thought it was a clone. I didn't think it was the game. One guy in the hub, uh, there was one guy in the responses of this video was like, yep, I think the game has been locked up in Dr. Dre's basement. And this is just a clone walking around talking like this, um, which is hilarious. But yeah, he looks like an NPC character. He looks like, you know, it does not look like the game, you know, so uh, shout out to the game and great interview. I enjoyed it. I think it's one of the game's best interviews that he's come out with, but uh, I'm excited for the album regardless. I'm going to listen to it. Give him a chance. Uh, he even says that in the interviews, like, don't listen to these interviews. He's like, if you don't like what I say in these interviews, take all that bullshit aside. Just listen to the album and see. So I'm going to do that, obviously. Uh, and obviously, if it's one of the best albums, if it ends up becoming one of the best albums that gets released this year, much props to game, man. Uh, there's nothing to say about that. Uh, opinion. Let's talk about opinions, man. Rolling Stone. Ah, man, I don't want to talk about this because who gives a shit what Rolling Stone thinks? Rolling, before I get into this, they released the 200 greatest hip-hop albums of all time. Uh, there's roughly 16 people that attributed to this list. And most of these people are white, by the way. I just, I want to point that out for a reason. Um... Because I can tell, I can already tell without, without even, without even looking at the names, without even looking at the people's faces, I could tell it was a predominantly white list. The reason why is because I saw so, first off, the list is horrendous, horrible. That That's one indication for the most part, no disrespect, but most white people don't get this right. You know, to, to, to speak on hip hop and be white, it's like. It's it's a very tough thing to do. I don't really view myself as white American. I come from you know a different culture, European. I am white, but on the European side, and I I view myself different. My culture is totally different versus typical white American. Um, and you can tell there's a difference in music, you know, music taste versus somebody who grew up in America, somebody that grew up in a different country whether white or black, whatever the case may be. So you can tell it's mainly white people that contributed to this list because the list was pretty bad. And you could see a lot of Kanye, a lot of Kendrick, a lot of Playboy Cardi's on this list. Like a lot of, when I vision, a lot of the white people that I know like those type of artists. Kanye, uh, Playboy Cardi, Chance the Rapper, like these type of rap artists, which no disrespect. Kanye's, obviously Kanye's a go. I'm not saying that's, that's a fucked up way, but you can just tell... You can tell, you know, you can, I don't know how to explain it uh, with words. What's the best way to explain this with words? Have you ever seen those like frat white guys that, that listen to hip hop and they'll, you know, what kind of, you can just tell what kind of music they listen to. 
just that's the, the direction of music to listen to. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what I'm trying to say, but I'm not. You know, I can't get the words to explain it. What? Regardless, um, you guys already know where my problems at. I mean, it's easy to tell. They they listed get rich or die trying at number sixty four. 64. 64. Oh, man. I, you know, at the end of the day, these are opinions, so I can't get too mad about the situation. At the end of the day, this is Rolling Stone. This isn't... Rolling Stone has really never gotten much right when it comes to anything relating to hip-hop. So you take, you take this list with a grain of salt and... You know, it's just people's opinion at the end of the day. The, the, one of the lists that really disgusted me was there's like a football player that tweeted out a, a top 10 rappers list. And I quoted it on Twitter and I was like, listen, I don't usually judge people's lists because, you know, it's everybody's, it's their own opinion and it's fair. Whatever your list is, is, is what you feel. And that's totally fine. I respect it. But the list was so fucking bad that I had to say something. Like he had NPR at like number three. He had, like, Machine Gun Kelly at, like, number four, Eminem at, like, number one. And, like, it was just, oh, man, it was such a, no problem with Eminem being number one. I'm not saying that. But the list was just so, like, who the, like, no disrespect to NPR and Machine Gun Kelly, but they're not in the top ten list of all-time rappers. Not not even fucking close. I don't even think they even cracked the top 100. No disrespect to them, but that's just, you know, uh, that list was just that bad. So, what pissed me off about Gibbard or Dietrion being at number 64 was this. It wasn't the fact that it was at number 64. Whatever, that's wrong in my opinion completely. Uh, it's wrong. I think Give Richard I Trying for a true hip-hop head, that album should be a top 20 album on anybody's list. Simply because of the fact of production, delivery, flow, energy surround the album, commercial impact, cultural impact, Everything, everything about that album is perfect execution, perfect timing, perfect singles, perfect album artwork, perfect everything. That's why it did what it did. That's why it sold 14 million records worldwide. There's a reason why it sold that many records worldwide. It's not because it's just a mistake. No, that's, there's a reason why the song in the club still plays to this day. It's a classic forever. There's a reason why people still bump 21 Questions and all these other Minimen, all these records. You know, um, it's not a mistake. It's not just, oh, it just, you know, happen, happen. This is my problem with this being number 64. Their explanation of the album, their their praise of the album, I guess you could say, if that's what you want to say, has nothing to do with 50 Cent. They just praise Dr. Drake's production. That's it. That's my problem with that. Look, this is what they said. This is what they wrote. Get Rich isn't just a smashing debut. It's a key moment in producer Dr. Dre's unprecedented three-act career. Executive producing a crew of crack beat makers, Dre applied his magic to an under, underknown Queens rapper, matching East Coast lyrical minimalism, minimalism with West Coast G-Funk minimalism. Turned out to be the ideal blockbuster pairing. It doesn't hurt that in the club, the album's perfect first single will be played on dance floors from now until the end of time. They didn't mention shit about 50. Nothing. Nothing. Nah, the 50s flow, 50s lyrics, 50s delivery, 50s hooks, 50s bars. Nothing. It was all about Dr. Dre, which I love Dr. Dre. I love the production he did on this album. But where the fuck is the praise for 50 Cent, the guy who wrote these records that became big hits? You know how many rappers had in the club that they couldn't do shit with it? Nothing. Yeah, D12. What was the other? I forget his fucking name. Uh, the game mentioned him too. There were multiple rappers that had in the club as a beat. They couldn't do shit with it. 50 did something with it. 50 made it in the club. The biggest fucking record arguably in hip-hop ever. It was 50's pen that did that. 50's creativity. They didn't mention shit. Nothing. Nothing about that. Not a single word. It was all about Dr. Dre's production. That's that. That's what I was upset about. You put it at 64, you're wrong in my opinion. I think it's top 20 of all time, but that's just my opinion. You put it at 64, you're completely 
whatever. That's a shitty opinion, but that's what you want to do. Rolling Stone's garbage anyways. We all know that. I don't know why people are getting really upset at this list. This is the description of the album was garbage. That's what pissed me off. That was one of the worst descriptions for one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. Whatever. You got Give Richard I Try on 64, right? So I scrolled down. I was like, all right, you got Black Star, MF Doom, Scarface. Okay, Kendrick Lamar. Damn, that's that's interesting, but okay. Notorious B.I.G., Life After Death. Okay, cool. Ice Cube, America's Most Wanted. Okay, Beastie Boys, Licensed Ill. Keeps going down. Okay, cool. Tribe of Quest, all these. And then I see Migos Culture. Migos Culture is number 54. It's higher than Give Richard I Try. Migos Culture. I love Migos Culture. I love that album. But to put that above, get rich or die trying, like let's let's one million percent be honest. Is Migo Culture album of album you bump consistently? It's a 2017 album. It's been out for five years. Is that even a close to a classic? No, fuck no. I don't know anybody who called that album classic. Now, did I people did I hear people call it a great album? Sure, it's a great album. I'd give it a seven, maybe eight out of ten. Uh, fucking ahead of Get Rich or Die Trying, ahead of ahead of a tribe called Quest, Midnight Manures, ahead of Be- Beastie Boys, Licensed Ill, ahead of Ice Cube, America's Most Wanted, ahead of the Notorious B.I.G. Life After Death, ahead of Kendrick Lamar's Damn, ahead of Scarface, The Diary, all these albums, Get Rich or Die Trying, and everything else that they went ahead of. You got Migos at number 54. Yeah. That, that kind of threw me off. You got Kanye West College dropout number 52, whatever. The roots keep going more and more. I'm not going to go over the whole list. One thing that I that I, that I I was happy about that probably pissed a lot of people off too, and you know I can kind of understand it. One thing that, that I was happy about was this, and you guys are probably going to be like, what the fuck, Quake? What are you talking about? Chief Keef's Finally Rich was at number 32. Now, should it be number 32? I don't think I think that's way too high. But I do think, in my opinion, it is a top 50 album of all time. Now, you're probably thinking, what the fuck, Quake? What are you talking about? Uh, this is what they said in the, about the album. There's still nothing that feels like a love. So, so the breakout single from the then 17-year-old Chief Key from his debut album, Finally Rich. The Chicago's rapper's melodic, hard-nosed anthem shook the foundation of hip-hop. The kids were taking control in a way that the genre had never seen, and why not? Chief Sound was the heart of Chicago's enduring drill movement, populated by young MCs whose lives are tingered with as much as violence as the prior generation's old heads. There's a menacing atmosphere throughout Finally Rich, but not enough to eclipse the feeling of triumph. Chief's uh, ethos booms loudly and full of feeling, proof that the kids are our white. Um, yeah, that first off to me, I love this album. I give it probably 9 out of 10. Uh, there's probably like one, maybe two, maybe three tracks I don't like. Other than that, it's perfect execution. Man, production, Young Chop, and whoever else produced on that fucking album, beautiful. Chief Keith executed it beautifully. And I think it's it's one of the best albums that I've heard in a long time at that time when it dropped in 2012. Um, it also birthed drill music, Chicago. It gave Chicago a whole new life. And that was thanks to Chief Keith. Love Sosa to me, I still bump to this day. There's so many songs off the album, I still bump to this day. Um, and I agree with it being high up on the list. I, I I don't see any problem with that. I think it's a really, really great album. That's the one thing I agreed about um, on this list that I was happy about was that Chief Keeps Finally Rich got some praise. I think it's a great album. Um, to me, it's top 50 of all time, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know if it's top 40, top 30. I'd have to look into Like if I ever did a top 100 album list, it would be in my top 50, 1 million percent. Um, you got Nicki Minaj, Pink Friday at 31. Obviously disagree with that. You got Tupac, All Eyes on Me, 29. Okay. Uh, Mob, Infamous, 28. Okay. It's respectful. Uh, Jay-Z's Reasonable Doubt, which a lot of people got pissed off at being 26. Eminem, Marshall Mathers, LP is at number 25. I don't think Eminem show was on this list at all, which is crazy. I don't think it was. Might have missed it, but I don't think it was. Uh, you got DMX, is Dark and Hell is Hot, which is DMX's debut album at number 22. That was interesting. This was stupid. It made no sense. Um, maybe I don't know this. Let me actually Google it just to make sure. But they had a mixtape on this list, which I was like, why the fuck? I thought this was about albums. They had a mixtape on this list. Yeah, I'm right. This wasn't an album. They got Lil Wayne's The Drought 3 which is a fucking mixtape at number 21. 
So I don't know why they put a mixtape. If, if we had mixtapes included on this list, this list should be, this list first off is garbage already. But he put mixtapes on this list and you don't mention insane amount of mixtapes that came out from certain artists like that were way better than a lot of these albums that are on here. That doesn't seem fair to me. They put Lil Wayne's mixtape on here, but nobody else's. Okay, whatever. That confuses shit out of me. I was like, what the fuck? Future DST2. I love this album. I think it's one of the best albums that came out in the last 10 years easily. Uh, it was at number 20 on the list, which I disagree with being that high, but it's an amazing, it's a probably top 50 album for me. Um, Kanye West Yeezus at number 17. I don't understand it. I disagree. Actually, let's just go over all number 20 and all this. So you got Future DST, DS, DS2 at number 20. Got Lil' Kim Hardcore at number 19. Lil' Kim's huge influence came from this album. A lot of artists, rappers, female rappers that came out got influenced by this album. Makes sense. Respectable. You got Mad Villain, Mad Villainy, MF Doom, of course, collaborating. Uh, producer Mad Lib. I, I don't know. I wouldn't rank it this high, but it is an amazing album. Um, number 18, you got it on there. Kanye West Yeezus, number 17. Disagree with this being on here. It's a great album, but it's not Kanye West's. Uh, hell, it's. I don't think it's. It might be one of the worst. Well, not the worst Kanye albums. That's that's too far. I think it's in the middle. It's not like the best, and it's not the worst. Uh, it's just it's decent. This is what pissed off a lot of people. Cardi B Invasion of Privacy being number sixteen. Number sixteen. Sixteen. Now, um. We talked about this album on the podcast before. This album broke a record that no album has ever broke in the history of music, period. What was that record? Every song on the album has gone platinum. That has never happened in the history of music ever. Not even Michael Jackson Thriller. I'm sure if... if now, what, what, it ha what, what helped this album doing that was streaming. That's the beautiful part about streaming is now we can really see if an album is a classic based on if people are still listening to it years and years down the line. You know, I, I read the album, the album sales list every week on the Monday episodes, and you guys always see a little baby my turn. You see Pop Smoke Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon. You see sometimes Kendrick Lamar's albums. You see sometimes Eminem's. That's where you can tell if it's a classic, if it's still on the charts consistently. That's something that we never had prior to streaming. Streaming is what, what allowed that to, to prove to people that this is a classic. So Cardi B's album being this high, I think they're going off the fact that it every song off the album went platinum and it's still doing numbers. Which if you're going off numbers, which they're not, they're going off their opinion. If we're going off numbers, this whole list would get changed up. But I think that's what they really factored into this. The fact that it won, you know, it was Grammy nominated, all this stuff. And I think it won a Grammy. Yeah, I did win a Grammy. Um, and the fact that she was formerly a stripper, then a reality TV star, they're explaining this thing, uh, that she became a rapper and succeeded. Cool, but it's not 18. You know, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. Then you got Eric, Eric B and Rakim paid him full, number 15. Ghostface Killer Supreme Clientele at number 14. Dr. Dre, 2001 at number 13. Clips, Lord Willen at number 12. I get it, Lord Willen is shit influence drake so drake take care at number 11 i oh my god disagree with that wholeheartedly i'm not even gonna it's just ridiculous that album is amazing but it's not it's not number 11 of all fucking time anyways continuing on you got lauren hill her only album ever the miseducation of lauren hill number 10 respectable lauren hill a lot of people love this album Tribe Called Quest, The Low End Theory, number nine. Wu-Tang Clang, Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers, at number eight. Missy Elliott, Miss E, So Addictive, at number seven. Now, a lot of people got, you know, some people were like, why the fuck's Missy Elliott here? You know, if you don't listen to female rappers, you can't speak. Lil Wayne said Missy Elliott's his favorite rapper, rightfully so. She's she's something different. And when she bursted out the scene, it was unique. So, Okay. You got Kanye West, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, which a lot of people consider Kanye's, Kanye's best album, at number six. You got Kendrick Lamar, To Pimp a Butterfly, number five. You got Public Enemy, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back, at number four. 
You got Jay-Z, The Blueprint, at number three. You got Outkast, Stank Noya, at number two. You got The Notorious B.I.G., Ready to Die, number one. Yeah, I don't know. I, I disagree with this list wholeheartedly. You guys already know. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's people's opinions. 16 people came together and decided that this was the list. Rolling Stone is not a hip-hop publication. I don't know why people are reacting in a way like they're acting like it is. And their opinion is just their opinion. It's wrong. In my, I, I think a lot of these albums should be swapped out. There's a fucking mixtape on here, which is not fair. You put Lil Wayne mixtapes on here. Um, and yeah, I disagree with the list. You guys already know, Get Rich or Die Try and Being a number 64 is utterly a slap in the face to Curtis 50 Cent Jackson. And yeah, I don't know what else more to say about this list. Go over the list, see what you think. Don't get mad at it because, you know, it's just people's opinion. It's a shitty opinion, but... Um, Whatever, man. Billboard or Rolling Stone shouldn't ever dictate. Any 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 place shouldn't dictate what you think is fire, man. Any one or any publication. Not even me. Don't dic- don't listen to me on what I think is fire. Go listen to it for yourself. And you decide. So, let's get into the Billboard Hot 100. You got As It Was, Harry Styles, still at number one. You got First Class, Jack Harlow, still at number two. You got Future, Wait For You With Drake, still at number three. You got About Damn Time, Lizzo goes up to number four. He Waves, Glass Animal, number five. Big Energy Lotto, number six. Mi Porto Bonito, Bad Bunny, number seven. Running Up That Hill, A Deal With God, Kate Bush. And number eight is a re-entry. That is interesting. Looks like an old record. Number nine, Late Night Talking, Harry Styles. Number 10, Stay, The Kid Leroy, and Justin Bieber. Continuing on, let's see. Super Gremlin is at number 20. Went up a lot. True Love, Kanye West and XXX Tentacion debuted at number 22. Shout out to that record. I love it. Hope it goes up higher on the charts. One of my favorite records out right now. Uh, Sweetest Pie, Megan Thee Stallion, Dua Lipa, number 25. Puffin' on Zooties, Future, number 33. Cooped Up, Post Malone, Roddy Rich, number 37. Kendrick Lamar, N95, number 39. Damn, the Kendrick Lamar songs are falling off quickly. Uh, Lil Baby in a Minute, number 45. Sleazy Foe, Sleazy World, featuring Lil Baby, number 47, debut. Silent Hill, Kendrick Lamar, number 51. Die Hard, Kendrick Lamar, number 52. See what I'm saying? Moneybag Yo, debut, number 59. Lil Dirk, What Happened to Virgil, number 67. Lil Baby Ride On, number 73. Freaky Deaky, Taga Doja Cat, number 74. Rich Spirit, Kendrick Lamar, number 83. Damn, these Kendrick Lamar songs are just starting to fall off completely. Dua Lipa, number 90. Jack Harlow. I'm On One, Future Drake, number 93. Future Love You Better, number 96. And that's it for the Billboard Hot 100. And that's it for today's episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, taking your time out of your day to listen, support, all that. I appreciate it. Uh, Stream us, Spotify, Deezer, Pocket Cast, all that, YouTube, you know the drill. Thank you so much for the support. Once again, have an amazing night, day, whenever you're listening to this, and peace.